for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. I don't know how many of you would remember this movie, but there's a really famous and popular movie called Forrest Gump uh, that came out, I don't know how many years ago, I think decades ago, ago by now. But um, there is a scene in that movie, uh, I think about halfway middle of the movie, where Forrest Gump and a good friend of his, I forgot his name, like a war buddy, um, who I think lost both of his legs in the Vietnam War, as the story goes. They're on a fishing boat of some kind and they're trapped in this giant storm. And the guy with, no legs, he's on the, like the mast on the top and he's in the storm, it's going up and down, rain and wind and everything and he's yelling at the top of his lung to God, you know, saying, you know, give me the best you got, is that all you can do, come on, come on, you know, just kind of daring God to do something to him, basically taking on God and the force of nature kind of thing. And, you know, the humanity has always had this urge to challenge the gods. There's, and I think it's part of what makes us human. And it actually sounds kind of cool and even admirable, but it's actually a fallen characteristic where we think a little too highly of ourselves, thinking that we can and should challenge those higher than us, which is exactly what the serpent used against Adam and Eve in the garden. We have always had this urge to, able to, to be able to explain and understand everything and to know exactly why. And I think the book of Job is like a case study to be able to see behind the scenes of a very complex and dramatic situation. And in the end, we understand more of ourselves, not just Job or God as well. So let's read the passage and then we'll continue. <music> Job chapter 19, verses 1 through 20. Then Job replied, How long will you torment me and crush me with words? Ten times now you have reproached me. Shamelessly you attack me. If it is true that I have gone astray, my error remains my concern alone. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance in force. They build a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has alienated my family from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have gone away. My closest friends have forgotten me. My guests and my female servants count me a foreigner. They look on me as on a stranger. I summon my servant, but he does not answer, though I beg him with my own mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own family. 
Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. So the book of Job is a little difficult, isn't it? It's very interesting, but it is at the same time difficult to say the least. And so I encourage you to try and use different resources like these Living Life record, uh, devotional recordings to help you to understand rather than just kind of skipping it as I think I have done in the past and you may have done so as well. So please don't skip to like next month, like I'll wait till next month when the book of Job is over kind of thing. Use different translations of the Bible, which can be very helpful. I really encourage uh, using the NLT for your devotionals, which is very easy to understand for modern readers. And then I myself uh, use the NLT, but also commentaries. And I want to read to you uh, a portion, a paraphrased summary that I found in the NIV application commentary, which is my go-to commentary whenever I'm preparing for sermons or Bible studies or living life or anything. And this is what Bildad said in the previous chapter, previous from today. And he says, this is summarized, and I'm quoting from the commentary, God's judgment of the wicked is severe, and those who are subject to it, including you, Job, can be classified as those who do not know God. Give up the pretense. The wicked are doomed. You are among those who do not know God. So some strong and harsh words against Job by Bildad, to which Job replies in today's chapter, Despite your accusations, I have done nothing. Yet God, in his inexplicable anger, has made a mess of my life. I am an outcast, despised by all. I am confident that someone will come to help, and that just when all seems finally lost, I will be vindicated. Your supposed friends are in more jeopardy than I am, in more trouble than I am. It is God who has messed up my life, not me. A defender will arise and vindicate me from your insinuations, from your accusations. Now, something that I find useful when faced with difficult passages like today's is to find ways to summarize and then also to divide the passage into different portions. Um, you know, you can actually try that now. So why don't you even pause the video right now? Just go to your Living Life book or the passage and see where you could divide by observing some of the words. Yep, go and welcome back. So I hope you tried. I really encourage you to try. Now, assuming you did, I found a simple three-part division in today's passage. Verses 1 to 5, 6 to 12, 13 to 20. In verses 1 to 5, we see Job talking against Bildad, like kind of counter-arguing against. 6 to 12, Job is talking against God. Like, you know, you are doing all these things to me. God is doing all these things to me. And then in the 13 and 13 to 20, he's kind of, the world is against me. Everyone is against me. Everyone despises and hates me. Now, I'm learning a lot in reading and observing through the book of Job. I'm not preaching. We're not doing Bible study. But actually, surprisingly, a lot. I'm, I've been able to understand the last two months more than I have my entire life. And one of those things is that Job isn't as holy as I had thought. And, you know, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise because, you know, we're all sinners kind of thing, right? But I just, you know, reading and seeing for myself. And today's passage, we see possibly Job's strongest outrage against God and what is his outrage about. It's what happened to him and why is this happening and why has it happened? And that's basically what it boils down to. Why God? Why me? Why all of this suffering? Now, 
Doesn't this sound familiar? Because everyone, all of us, you, me, have had such outrage against God because of things that have happened to us. We've, you know, read through chapter 19 of Job, and now the bulk of it, um, you know, how they go back and forth between Job and one friend and then the next friend and, and going back and forth. And for all their wisdom, Job's friends, you can see that their arguments and points are all, quote-unquote, graceless. They are lacking in grace, lacking in compassion, love, kindness, forgiveness, and ministry. It is intellectual and purely rationally based. Remember how I described the book of Job as a case study behind the scenes? It reminded me of C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letter. It's a very thin and small short book, and I encourage you to read it if you haven't. It's a book where there's, it's a hypothetical situation of a mentor devil writing to a beginner devil on how to best like, work on his human, right? Work for bad, that is, right? There's a human you know, assigned to every demon uh, devil, and then the mentor devil is there, okay, you need to do this, do this. And we don't read about the young devil writing to the older devil, but it's kind of, in, in, uh, what is it, insinuated there. And we, it goes back and forth. It's very, very interesting. And it's a behind-the-scenes look at how the enemy thinks. And it helps us to understand ourselves better. And I think that's what the book of Job does. Its chapters of arguments back and forth ultimately reveals our hearts and reveals the ways of the world. Job's friends have their set notions of God, and you know, they use the might of their words to impart and talk about that God. And you realize that it's a man-made conception and assumption. And the whole time, Job just wants someone to acknowledge that he did nothing wrong. And this seems insensitive, but Job starts well in chapter 1 and 2. But then we see less and less of this Job as the book continues in his suffering. And we see a very bitter, defensive, and self-absorbed Job who needs someone to blame. And he starts blaming God. And this is a very human thing. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about Job's friends who, after seven days and nights of solidarity in silence with Job, just starts attacking and bombarding him with all these accusations, you know, and just say, repent, repent, it's all your fault, it's all your fault. We see no humility, we see no love, no compassion. The friends just want to be right and for Job to agree with them and to give in to them. They cannot feel his anguish nor understand his suffering. And we're going to talk more about this tomorrow. But this is why Jesus and everything about who he is and what he did and is now doing is huge and is the solution. Job, Job suffered and had no satisfactory answer to anything. Jesus suffered because he's the best of us who suffered all, was tempted by all, but did not sin. The man of sorrows, despised and rejected by all, yet did not blame anyone else. If I was to give today's passage a title, it would be Resigned in Suffering or Resignation in Suffering. And it sounds very depressing, I know. But I'm talking about the way that Jesus approached and accepted suffering, where the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Even as Job confessed this at the beginning of the book of Job, there needs to be a resignation in our suffering.
and also in terms of us seeing other people who are in suffering, to not be like Job's friends. And I think there are a few practical um, lessons or even application that we can learn that I gleaned from the NIV application commentary that I quoted from before that we cannot draw conclusions about people's behavior from their circumstances. And I think this is something very tempting to do, especially for Christians. And next, that we should not expect wicked people to get their just punishment in this life. Because we sometimes, because of this, we think anything that happens, it's a punishment, right? You're being punished right now. And we kind of jump to that conclusion. And thirdly, we should never rejoice in the misfortune of an enemy, though we may take con consolation that justice is sometimes served in this world. Sometimes it could be, but not always guaranteed. And it is not our job to see to that. It is, a, it is the job, it is God's job, right? Pun unintended. And so there is a sense that we need to be resigned in our suffering, even as Job began well in chapter one of this book as well. Yeah, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you for the example and the life of Job that many uh, thousands of years later that we learn from. And God, uh, through this month and including last month, help us to see ourselves in light of your light, in light of you and your wisdom, your guidance, O oh God. And help us to see and how uh, to suffer together even as we celebrate together with those people around us. And help us to gain a good, godly, biblical perspective of the suffering in our lives and rather jumping to the conclusions of wanting to blame others. Help us to godly, in a godly way, to be resigned in our suffering as well, giving you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing your soul, let your father and the pig in closer.